on what we're doing. Father, we ask, Lord, that you just uh, bless our time. Father, pray be with uh, Sunday school and the seeds that are being planted over there. We ask, Lord, that you just be with the nursery and the kids just running around having fun, Lord. We thank you that we have a safe place to have each of those things, God. Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to minister uh, to kids, Lord, and teach them your truths and tell them about you. And Father, I pray that they would receive that in their classes, but they would also receive it with us when we engage with them. And by the way, we talk with them, Lord, and just being around them. Because they're our kids, Lord. They're our kids. You've entrusted them to us. And so we want to be good stewards, Lord. And Father, we ask that you fill us with wisdom this morning and that you just bless our time together. I thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you love us and that you're for us. And we pray that your truth would shine through and shine bright. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, we deviated a little bit from John. And we deviated a little bit just because I felt like just the Lord had placed some stuff on my heart. And so, uh, I didn't even quite know how it was going to come out, but it came out. And um, I think it's a good thing. It's always good if God just places something there. And you're not even sure exactly where it's going to go next, but you just move in obedience. A very good thing. Um, And so, this slide up here is kind of where our focus was last week. Because the thought process was... um, you know, what's the crescendo? Like, what's the pinnacle of the Christian faith? You know, what does it look like? How, wouldn't have, you know, there could just be some ideas out there of like, okay, I've really arrived and kind of got this Christianity thing down when, and then you fill in the blank. Um, on a side note, we, we got back uh, last night um, from Madison Square Garden and a, and a night of worship over there in New York City. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, it was it was just a neat time. It's Madison Square Garden, is where it was at, and it was sold out. And uh, just about the whole place, every seat was packed. I mean, they they just basically don't use the seats behind where everything's happening because nobody could see. But so they block all that off, and then you know everything is just filled up. So it's pretty neat and see everybody filing in. And it's cool is just to see. Literally every nation, tribe, skin color, just everybody there, you know, and then we're there, and honestly, it, it really was just more of a worship service, just worship time, really, for like a few hours. A couple of guys spoke for a little bit, um, but some interesting things about it is, is one, uh, I realized that, I guess maybe I'm getting older, or like something's happening within me, but... Uh, Concerts are just, and necessarily wasn't even just a concert, it was just long worship time. And I was like, after like an hour, hour and a half, I was like, all right, cool, like this is cool. I don't know, it's just, there's like, right, you know, it used to just, I don't know, hand me up more and more and more, you know, and then by letting me leave, like, rah, you know, and you hit the streets. I don't know, it just really wasn't quite like that. And, and I guess there's probably a whole mixture of reasons, and I'm not at all downplaying um, the goodness, you know, that that happened there. It was good, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But um, I guess when you're just with them all the time, and you're just spending time with them, and you're pouring your heart out to them, and singing to them, and then you're losing yourself in your home, and you're crying in your bedroom, and like, you know, you're crying in the backyard, and then you're doing this, and he's just with you, and you're just with them all day. A concert's cool, but you've been with them all week anyway. So it's like, but you're great to see him take over a group of people like that as well. So you can't poo-poo that. That's good. 
So another thing that happened that was pretty cool when I was there is like when we were sitting there, it's I just had this sense of like, you know, Madison Square Garden, just this iconic place. Everybody wants to be if you can sell at the garden to do anything, you're pretty impressive. Christian or not Christian, that, that's pretty impressive. You can get to the garden. That's just an iconic place. But that place was packed out, everybody there, and as we were singing and worshiping, it was like it felt to me that this is the first time this place is being used for the right reasons. So many bands, so many sporting events that come through there, and I'm not, I love sports, and I love all the music and all kinds of stuff, but it's like that awesome place and all the things that just entail Madison Square Garden, it was just being used to glorify God and thousands of people doing it. It's like, ah. This is like what it's supposed to be used for. This is great. And they actually did uh, that My Lighthouse song there. Um, that band that wrote that and sang it, Run Collective, was there. And when they uh, were singing My Lighthouse, you know, they had the lights kind of dim in there and the place was just packed. You see all the lights going everywhere. And you just see, at one point, the, the guy singing the song, he's like, they're these Irish guys are from Northern Ireland and they have pretty high energy. And he's like, everybody just, you know, jump with us. And so everybody's going like this. But when you see like two to 3,000 people doing that, like just in the floor section, it was awesome. And then you see everybody like in the thing doing it. It was like so cool. It was, it was pretty neat. And so it was just, it was neat to be in Master Square Garden and be like, this is the right way to use this thing. Only by the grace of God that open. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Only by the grace of God, he said. Only by the grace of God that thing did not collapse. And um, it was awesome. And I just... I'm glad that the workers were there to all see it too, you know, and be around it. It's probably the first time they, I mean, none of the, like the beer machines were on, none of the other stuff was going, like, they're all security teams, like, just sitting there, you know, on their phones, like, there's nothing happening like that at a Christian event, it's just not happening. So it was neat, they got to hear the word and not worry about stuff. And um, it was also cool to be with Julie, and uh, it, was our, it was our 10-year wedding anniversary, and it was, uh, it was actually... It was cool. God, God's really good with that. And, um, and our anniversary was earlier in the week, but that was at least a chance for us to get out. And so we don't get a lot of like church time together, and so that was kind of our church time together. And so it was really cool, you know, being there with her and seeing her little hands go up, you know, on the aisle and doing her thing. You know, it's it awesome to be around that. And then she doesn't have to chase, you know, after Jaren or Judson or yeah. So especially, you know, and it was good to be around that. So um, it was awesome. It was a good time and. It was just encouraging to see that many people just praising God and praying for our nation and, you know, praying for President Obama and praying for policies and praying that God would be powerful in this city. And that's after all that praising and worshiping um, in Madison Square Garden. There had already been two other events happening in Central Park um, in another spot within the city. And I think another one's even coming up um, later in September. So God just seems to be like blast in New York City right now, which is awesome. It's really good. So um, it was good stuff. So I just wanted to share that with you. Um, and I guess that kind of fits in because not even that is the pinnacle of the Christian faith. Like that's not, that's not even the pinnacle of like, hey, CC Nagy is so large, we can't even meet in Grace Lutheran Church anymore. You know, we can't even meet in the Hartford XL Center. We, can't, we would just pack out Madison Square Garden. Like that's not even the pinnacle of the Christian faith or walking with. It's not the pinnacle of the Christian faith always having enough 
of whatever. Making sure, you know, our kids are just always on the straight and narrow, never deviating. Like, that's not even the ultimate. Having the ability to just heal someone, boom, right then and there. Even that's not the pinnacle. Because even that can be twisted and warped. So, last week we talked about just the pinnacle, the crescendo, like walking the Christian faith. And that's what this was about. Abiding in the amazing sonship, daughtership with God, while at the same time fighting against the flesh and enemy so that the culture of heaven can be made manifest. That's what we talked about last week. That's like, that's the ultimate Christian faith right there. That is it. That's the pinnacle of the Christian life. Abiding as a son or daughter, which we talked about. Fighting the flesh and the enemy so that the culture of heaven can be made manifest, right, in my life and around me. That's the ultimate Christian life. Whatever comes with it is whatever comes with it. So the ultimate Christian life is not even having God fix my things or do any. It's just, man, abiding in Him, being a son or a daughter, fighting against the flesh, fighting against the enemy, and making sure at the same time I'm allowing and I'm in submission to God, bringing the culture of heaven, which we've never been to, He's going to bring that through His Spirit through us and have that work in and around our lives. So the understanding of that is good. But how the heck does that happen? And how do we do that, right? What does that look like practically? So we're getting a little bit of time to that this morning, and then we'll get into John chapter 9, you know, next week. Unless God bombards me with something else. So that's what we're going to spend time with this morning. Um, the title of this morning, um, on the next slide, Eric will bring it up there in a minute. Why is an understanding heart? Because getting understanding is really important in this thing. Um, and I had a phrase in my mind the entire week, and we're going to talk more about it. Uh, I think how we get to really just stay in that place of being with God and abiding as a son or a daughter and not being able to be moved easily. I mean, wouldn't it be great to be have our faith be at a place to where other people, relationships, medical reports, uh, finances, to where when that stuff comes our way, it does not completely shake us or rattle us to the core. Where it doesn't just dominate all of our thoughts. And just like take control over, you know, who we are and what we're going to do next. And we don't just start... Googling it everywhere and Facebooking it everywhere and just talking about it all the time. And it'd be nice to be in a place, man, where that stuff doesn't own us because that stuff can own us. It can happen really easily. Um, thankfully, God has given us His Word and we have the ability to gain some understanding. So, key truth we talked about last time is that us as Christians, we're called. To really know that God is going to uphold his word, definitely, right? He's going to be faithful to what he says. He wrote it down. Like, he's God. He's going to be faithful to it. At the same time, he is also refining us and transforming us into who we're supposed to be before sin even got involved. So he's multitasking. That's what he's doing. When he's answering our prayers and we're in relationship with him, he's multitasking, Right? He's got to be faithful to his word. So when he says things like, ask anything in my name, I will do it. Like he's, 
He's got to do that. He's got to honor that. But he's also going to honor how he's going to prune to make sure that we're more fruitful. Like he's going to honor these things. He's going to multitask. So the phrase that I just had running through my mind, I was thinking about all this stuff, um, is uh, three words, embrace the process. Embrace the process. I think us as Christians, we're called to embrace the process of being in relationship with him. That process of allowing him to be true to his word and then also allow him to transform us as he's answering whatever we're laying before him. Just embrace that process and not fight against it. To be a willing party. Because when we can embrace the process, that means there's a certain element of faith involved. We can say, okay, Lord, I I don't know, but I will trust you. It doesn't seem to make sense, but I'll go with you on this one. Or it could even just be more like of a crying out prayer. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. How could you be doing this? If I were God, this is not what I would be doing. This can't possibly lead to any good. All I can see is more heartbreak and pain. But, that's where the faith element comes in, but, I know you have to do a work in me, and I know that you're never going to leave me nor forsake me, and that you're there, and that you're in this. Right? So if we can embrace the process right from the very beginning, embrace the process of God being true to His Word, and He's also pruning us, and shaping us, and putting us in a situation to where he's refining us into the image of Jesus Christ, we're in really good shape. We're in really good shape if we can just embrace the process of what he's doing. Because there's also another mindset where it's like, we could complacently allow things in our lives that annoy us because they've always been there. That's an option a lot of people take. Kind of complacently tolerate what's been going on because, well, I've talked about it for years or thought, prayed about it a bunch and nothing has really happened, so I guess he's just not going to do anything. We want to fight against that. Embracing the process understands that God has definitely placed some things, some people, some situations in our lives to irritate us, to rub us, to make it not be okay that sits with us. Like, it's just not okay. And it's not more holy to be like, well, I'm really okay with it, but I'll just kind of deal with it. No, some things are like supposed to bother us. They're supposed to bother us and really grab a hold of us. And then hopefully it causes us now to engage with Him in a really serious way. God, I can't let go of this thing right now. I just can't. It's bothering me. It's irritating me. And so now we get into like a wrestling match with our king. And a lot of times he wants to go after that for a long time. Sometimes a short period of time. But to just sit back and complacently tolerate things that he is allowed to come in and rub us so he can take us to a new place and to just leave it alone, that would be a mistake. 
So when we embrace the process, we won't complacently allow things. When we embrace the process, we're also going to allow and let God to use unlikely people and unlikely situations to minister to us. Because we're not concerned with being pointed out where we might be incorrect or wrong. We'll receive it in humility and be like, man, maybe God's speaking through that. In fact, I know right now this is him. It takes real wisdom and discernment to be able to say that. A popular saying in life is like you have to go through life like with one eye closed and one ear closed because sometimes you just can't listen and see what everybody's doing in response to what we did. You just have to go march forward. But at the same time, one eye is open, one ear is open, so you have to listen to the right stuff. So it's like, well, which one is it? It takes wisdom and discernment. So if we can, as a Christian people, like embrace the process of Him growing us really well and welcoming and being cool with the pruning process and wrestling with Him, we're in really good shape. That's going to be awesome. It's going to make it really easy to talk about what we did last week and just abiding with Him and asking for the culture of heaven to just be in and around our lives. So embracing the process, embracing the process. Okay, how the heck do we do that? Well, here we go. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. The way we do it is, number one, we got to get filled up. we got to get filled up. Proverbs 4, verse 7. Right? That's why I got on there, fill. Proverbs 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. This part is critical. Critical. No. Critical. How can you can't combine crucial and critical? It doesn't work. I try it. It doesn't. It doesn't work. This part is critical. It's the only thing you'll remember out of all of He said critical, and you can't say that. But it is critical. It's really important. Because what's going to happen is that as we fill ourselves with the Word and we're trying to, and we're pursuing after wisdom, we're trying to get understanding of who God is. How does He interact with people? How does He handle situations? When is it appropriate to be aggressive? When is it appropriate to like kind of scale it back? Um, when am I being manipulated or when is this really truth? Um, when do I need to maybe stand firm and when do I need to like be quieter? Uh, it's all of these things throughout the Christian life. And so the Word, being filled up with the Word, will help us better understand and connect with the nature of who God is. Because many times you'd be left with, well, this makes the most sense, so of course God would do this. That's just right, that's humanistic reasoning that just always does not line up to with godly reasoning. So we need to really be filled up. With the word, what is it saying? Who is God? How, would, how does he act in the situation? How did he act with people in this situation in the past? Being filled up with it. Giving us knowledge. Because what that will do is that will help shape our expectations of what to expect from him. That is huge. That's really big. Should I be expecting this from God or should I not be expecting That's the big thing. 
Should I be expecting God to do such and such here? Should I be expecting God to do such and such here? And whenever we answer to that, hopefully we also know something in the Word in there that can help line us up with that. Because, man, if we can't find it, it's really hard to line up. Or we've been talking to other, maybe older, wiser, you know, Christian people. Maybe it's not really there and it's just a good idea of ours. So to be able to embrace the process and have good expectations of who He is and how we can approach Him and what we can pray for, being filled up with the Word is critical. I mean, how could we really expect to really know who God is? How how do you do that? He's revealed it to us. That's awesome. Like, the people actually walking this, you know, David himself, you know, Jeremiah himself, Isaiah himself, Ezekiel himself, Paul himself. Four of these guys are moving, mighty. And, like, they didn't have their Bibles, you know, to go back to and be like, okay, you know, what happened in Galatia when they encountered this situation? What happened in Ephesus when they came across? This per- he was just doing it. Like, he was firsthand right there. They had some from the Old Testament that they knew about God and how he interacted, you know, with Pharaoh and how he dealt with them in the past. But he's also doing a new thing in the New Testament. It was very interesting. So being filled up in the Word really helps shape our expectations. Because I think you would agree that our expectations, they want to be shaped biblically and they want to be spirit-led. Isn't that true? Because... Isn't it, wouldn't it be, such a relief to come to God and confidently be like, God, I think you're going to do this. It's already a done deal. Thank you so much that... Because we already know. We've been with Him and we know what His Word says. And so we're basing it on that. And we've also been in communion with Him. And so our spirit attests to that. It's nice to have that confidence there. And the Word helps shape it. That's why it's just so important to be in our Bibles and know what's going on in there and know what His heart looks like. So, number one, being filled. Number two, living it. Let's take a look at this one. Live. Number two, live. Matthew 7. Let's see here. Matthew 7. Verse 24. So we're talking about, right, embracing the process. How do we do it? We're able to embrace the process better and we're able to better take our hands off the steering wheel and let Him have His way if we're, number one, filled up with the Word and understanding who He is and what He says. It makes it a lot easier. Because it really puts in focus who He really is and who we really are. There's no guesswork then. But number two is that now we gain, hopefully we're doing number one, we gain some knowledge and some understanding. It would be a grave mistake to let it just stay there in our heads. Because then we could get just a bunch of really like biblically smart people that have really no idea what it means. So they know it, but they don't really know it. Right? They know it intellectually, 
But there's a real lack of understanding as far as how to live it out. It says, verse 24, Matthew 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain, rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So when we live it out, it helps to guard us against just more knowledge and better education about what it says. Now it makes it a reality of really who he is. And the living part is awesome because that's like where the rubber hits the road. That's where we get a chance to now take steps of faith, to take a risk. It's really good. Like, I guess to contrast that, it's pretty sad that a lot of Christians and people that love Jesus, their main goal in their Christianity is really to set themselves up in a place so that their life looks like everybody else's. So they're set up just like everybody else's, so they got a few cars like everybody else, so they got a nice retirement like everybody else, so they can do like everybody else. It seems like a lot of Christians like are on that mission to get themselves to a place of comfortable like everybody else, and it's like, oh yeah, we're doing the Christian life. Really? <laughs> Not so much. There's nothing wrong with want to provide and take care of a family and be responsible and those things are good but at the same time I think we know I hopefully know we know that Jesus is the center of all of it and he has full access to all of it whenever, however, whichever, whoever so he could have us like working just our tails off in one situation and boom just take that away real quick and then say hey just go here go do this I mean, he could just change anything whenever he wants, however he wants. So how he's calling us to be. It's how he's calling us to live. And the living part helps set into motion a lifestyle that now has testimonies. It's so frustrating sometimes to be talking with you know, other believers and you know, lovers of Jesus and it's just like just this talking about theological doctrine. It's so much more encouraging to be around people, man, that are just, that they actually know the heart of God. Like they've been with them. I can't tell you how many times I've been with, you know, pastors or speakers or worship leaders or whatever, and it's like, well, they obviously knew their stuff. But you can just tell it's just missing an element that, ah, I don't know if they're really connected with God this week. Like, it was, it was nice, and it sounded really good, and, and then, there's, man, there's just some guys that's just like, it is obvious they have been with God this week. Like, they have given God and the Holy Spirit time to download into their lives and into their hearts. Like, they didn't just come on a Sunday morning to uh, bring a passage. They've just been with Him all week, and He's just given them a word. 
It's a big difference to live a Christian life like around a sermon or to live a Christian life around his presence. It's a very, very big difference. Entering into communion and relationship with him in a real way starts knowledge. Like we need to get understanding. But then at the same time, we need to live that understanding out. We're called to do that. We're called to co-labor with Him and work with what He wants to do in our life. So yes, He set us free. Yes, grace and love covers our life. Yes, we're with Him for all time and forever. Yes, we're more than conquerors. But at the same time, we have to do like Colossians says, where it says, put these things to death. Boom, and He lists them out. At the same time, we've got to do like Jesus says, abide in me. Like he's calling us to also do a part. So he's saying, hey, listen, I've made a way. It's provided. Your provision is there. But you've got to walk in it. You've got to be an active part in this thing. And the interesting thing that Jesus says when he was tested about, like, are you who you say you are? Like back in John chapter 7. How do you know? You know, you just keep talking about yourself. Da, da, da. How do you know God? And all this stuff. The interesting thing that he said, and the way he responded is, you know what? You'll figure out I, if I am who I say I am if you do the things that I'm doing. You'll figure out if God is who he says he is if you start to be obedient and following what he says. Because if we never like, take it to the next place, it's just always theoretical and like a mental ascension. I believe in Jesus. You know, it's who he is. Da, da. And that's like a big thing like this day and age. We're a Christian if we believe in Jesus. Do you know that's not what makes a Christian? That's not what makes a Christian. I believe in Jesus. It's not at all like what makes a Christian. The devil would be like the biggest Christian of all time. He knows full well who he is. Like they were talking about the conference last, you know, last night. Man, Jesus even went into hell and took the keys. Like, he knows him really well. He ain't no Christian. He's not a Christ follower. Christ followers mentally assent to who Jesus is, but they repent and submit to his lordship and his kingship of who he is. That's a huge difference. And what we get to do as Christians is we get to live it out that relationship. And then our fruit will show if we're really in a relationship with them or if we're kind of deceiving ourselves. That's what will happen. So the part of living it out is huge, really important. Really important. So how do we embrace the process? We get filled up with the Word. Number one. Number two, we have the opportunity to live it out. And number three... We got to give. I knew he was going to say, give my money. No, not give your money. Come on, I don't even badge you with that. I don't even need to bother with that. Not that it's not important, but honestly, the New Testament standard for giving is generosity. Tithing is not the standard, it was the Old Testament standard. Like, that's another issue. Like, how do I give, you know, and how do I do this, and how do I approach money, and how does that go? Embrace the process. 
Understand that he is who he is. He's doing a work. Okay, well, he's doing a work in me. Well, the work that he's doing should be formed by the word. Okay, then what does the word say? The word says we're called to be Christians, men that are generous, that God goes, he owns everything, and he's just let us be a steward of it. And it's good practice for us to give back what he's given. I don't hear 10% in there anyway. The New Testament standard is be generous. Be in in communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit in such a way to where man just create generosity out of the heart. And then when you give, it's not even a giving of because I have to. It's actually a gift in faith because maybe sometimes you don't even know where it's coming from. Or how even maybe what the return might be. It's an act of faith. It's Lord, I don't know. But I know that you've given this to me. And I know it's important for my life that I worship you with my finances. And if I can just give what's just comfortable for me to give, that's not much of a call of faith and giving on my part. So Lord, help show me what's appropriate. What can I give that's also an act of faith? It's going to stretch me. It's going to allow you to form me into the generous heart that needs to be there so I'm not so attached to what I'm working so hard for all week long. That's the New Testament heart of giving. I don't know why we talked about money. That was even the plan. But, but that's the idea. Some people just get hung up on numbers. You know, I did 10%, I did 12%, I did 21%. Maybe God will use that to get us to a place of generosity. But man, generosity is the place where we're going to be. That's where he's bringing us. So not give money. That's not the next one. But give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all the circumstances that work out for you. Nope. Give thanks in all the circumstances that make your life more comfortable. No. Give thanks even when everything's falling apart all around you. Yes. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You can evaluate and look at and analyze your relationship with God very well by the types of prayers and prayer language that you use. It tells a lot about you and like where you're going and how God is using you and molding you. When your prayers start to shift from your laundry list of whatever they are and they start to just become thanksgiving prayers. Like that's where it's starting. No matter what's happening. No matter what's happening. God, I thank you for. And if it's really difficult for us to find what we're thankful for in the middle of that, that's right away where we come to God and say, Lord, forgive me. My heart is not in the right place. I can't see you in this. And I want to. And I'm called to. That's a good prayer. It's a good time to be really honest with God. It's a good thing, because we're called to be able to give all thanks. Give thanks to them in all circumstances. Giving thanks, no matter what. 
That's one of the cool things that's been happening on the Wednesday night prayer meetings. They've changed in a couple of years. There's a lot of Thanksgiving going on over there. And there's, that doesn't mean that everything's going better for everybody. There's still some really tough stuff going on. Some really difficult issues happening. And I'm hearing prayers like, God, we thank you for moving. We thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, you're never going to leave us. God, I know that I'm your son, I'm your daughter. Father, I know that I can trust in you. But I am struggling with such and such. But you get to whatever. But there's like this element of just a thankful heart in there. That's really big and really important. That really shows that we're embracing the process of what he's doing. And we're really all for that process of what he's doing. When a thankful heart is there. God, I don't thank you that things are falling apart right now. But I thank you that you are constant and that you are true. I thank you that I don't have all the answers right now. God, I thank you that you're steady and that you're true. There's chaos and stuff going on all around me. But at least I know I can trust in you. I know you're forming me and making me stronger through this. I know you're transforming me into the image of your son. Right, good prayers. It shows us how we're embracing the process of what he wants to do. See, because when we get to this John chapter 9, next week, um, he's going to come into, spoiler alert, right, he's going to come in uh, to contact with a guy and he's going to heal a guy um, that's blind. And the guy wasn't even asking for it. And so Jesus makes some mud, you know, and smacks it on there and he washes and he can see. He doesn't even know who did it. Um, it's a crazy thing. But um, many times people are praying, especially like for you know medical illness and like disease and things like that, and praying, and they're not seeing what they think they should see, and so giving thanks really starts to take a back burner, and it really shouldn't, you know. Sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's not so quick. Sometimes people have been praying for like a relationship, you know, for years. Man, I hope the Thanksgiving part didn't leave, because God didn't leave. He's still there. That's why it's good then to like stir ourselves, one another, and and church, and, you know, good works, and being in small groups, and encouraging one another. so hard to do this stuff, you know, when we're independent, and not with other people. So, embracing the process. Number one, filling up. Number two, living it up. Number three, giving thanks. That'll help to allow God to do His multitasking thing that He's got to do, which is fulfill His Word and then transform us at the same time. Because that's what He's about doing. Because we don't come to church for Him to fix and get us stuff. Right? We come to church and we engage with Him Because we want Him to make us more like Him. That's what we want to have happen. That's the process that we want to embrace. Father, transform us into what You want us to become. Help me not lose heart along the way. Hopefully we won't worship Him more when He fixes us and gives us more stuff. 
Hopefully we're worshiping Him the same in each season and standing strong. Something that we shared this past week um, is Wednesday night prayer meeting. Psalm 62, I'll read it for you. This is a heart that understands and embraces the process of who God is, who we are, and what He's trying to do. And this also happens, the person that wrote this, well, I'll tell you after in a minute. Psalm 62 says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. That's like a heart that embraces the process. Like he's pretty adamant about where his hope and where his stability and where his security is coming from. And this is a man that is getting chased and in a cave and trying to get killed. You'd never know that by the language. But you can tell that he's been with God. And that's what's determining his attitude and his outlook his circumstance and his situation or not. God, may we be a people to where our relationship with you molds and constructs our situation, not people or circumstances. That's a big deal. We can see the Christian maturity then of a believer who's able to take any situation give thanks in the middle of it, see where God's Spirit is all through it, come alongside it, and transform that thing. We're able to do that. And it comes by getting filled up in the Word, putting into practice what we're reading, and giving thanks. These things happen. Piece of cake. <laughs> if there wasn't this enemy or devil thing, it would be a real piece of cake. Throws a wrench in the whole thing, you know? Because he knows that, you know, if he can get us to be not embracing the process, if he, you know, when I think of not embracing the process, I just think of my kids, really. Um, they just, you know, I just ask them to do something. You know, he wants to go outside, you know, and ride his bike, but he just created a nightmare in the living room. You want to go take him to go ride his bike? Why would you not? You know, I want to see him ride it and have a good time. But, you know, it's a disaster in the living room. So it's like, dude, just pick up your stuff in the living room and then we'll go. <laughs> yeah, it's just like flat out. Like, there's not even like a buffer zone of like, let's talk about it and reason this. <laughs> you know, he just like loses it. You know, push his brother, you know, and he kicks something out. And it's just. But, and it's like, man, like we are so easy. Like that's, that's our nature. That's what we're inclined to do. So like we just pray and ask God for something. And then if he's like, God forbid he's saying no. But if he's like, not right now. If he's like, I'm doing a work in you right now. You know, be patient or wait on me. It's like, ah. You know, I just like lose it and like flip out. And then let's say maybe we were a little, we were a little bit more patient. And we waited some. 
out. Then maybe we'll flip out later, and then we have our reasons for flipping out. And so the enemy like loves to feed on the fact that man, we gotta see some kind of immediate result, you know, to get some encouragement so we can stay. How about let's be one in relationship with him, and man, that makes us want to stay. Why would we ever want to go? So things can get better? He's placed us there in the midst to bring his life and to bring his light. Bring it, right? So it's good to be aware of the lies that the enemy is going to try and feed. That will create doubt and create paralysis and create the blame game. Garden of Eden always goes back to that one, right? And just doing that stuff. Hopefully we won't fall victim to it. And it makes it a lot easier for us not to fall victim when we are being filled up with the word, we're living that word out, and we are giving thanks. Become a rock that's going to be real hard to move. Real hard to move. So you can even pray for stuff. God, I pray that you would just heal so-and-so right now. And it doesn't happen. It's okay, Lord. You love me, you love them. How many? God, I pray that you heal so-and-so right now. Didn't happen. Whatever. God, I pray. But it's okay. Like You can keep coming back for more. Because you didn't feel like God told you no, so you just keep going. Why is it going to rattle me or shake me? I'm secure in the rock and who he is. The enemy just wants to paint the picture of, hey, you're praying, nothing's happening, so... About that God thing. No bueno, right? So let's do this. Let's take com- Well, you know what? Before, before communion. Well, no. Let's do communion. We'll, we'll do the song after. So we have the elements up here. And we're going to... Um, I'll leave it up here. We'll play the song actually during communion and then we'll sing it together after. But communion is an awesome thing because that... Oh, grape juice, but um, his blood, right? The power is in his blood, and it has made a way for there to even be a process and relationship with him. It makes a way so that the culture of heaven can be released through our lives. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. The culture of heaven does not be released through our lives unless his perfect blood is spilled. And it's amazing that He freely gives that to us. We just live a life of response and gratitude because of it. That's powerful. Really powerful. And so hopefully we can take our communion time and just, man, sit and dwell on that and just communicate with God during this time and then we'll take and we'll, uh, we'll take the elements together. Sound good? Okay, so it'll be up here. We'll play the song. Um, I'm going to sing it after. Thank you for the cross that you have carried. Thank you for your blood that was shed. You took the weight of sin upon your shoulders. 
And sacrificed your life so I could live
<clears throat> so, Father, we, um, we pray, Lord, there's a, there's a process involved. Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. And um, we have a, a lot of sin in our lives, and we continue to struggle with it, even as we're Christians. And, um, Father, I pray that we would embrace the process of you refining us and transforming us into who you want us to be. We have never arrived. We never will totally arrive until we are with you. And Father, I don't care how long we've been a Christian for, sin is continually being worked out and being extracted. And there's a continual need for us to be aware of it and repent of it and submit to what you have for us. And so, Father, I pray that we would embrace that process of you transforming us and releasing your love and your life and your light in and around our lives. And I pray that we would not lose hope because your word will be in our hearts, Lord, so our hope will grow. I thank you, Jesus, that you've made it possible for this amazing relationship to happen. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, for a continued refreshing and vibrance in the relationship with you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would just open our eyes and experience more of your presence, more of your power, and may increase our faith. Thank you, Jesus, that you saw all this was possible and that you desired for it, even though in the moment, in the present, you're being betrayed and hated and mocked and crucified. Most of us, that's all we can see. We can't even look past that. So Holy Spirit, fill us with the vision and the perspective of what you're truly doing. It says, while they're eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. So we take the bread, and we gave thanks, and we break it. Just take his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. So then he took the cup, gave thanks, offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So we take and we drink. 